Good evening. Let's begin in prayer. Lord God, thank you for this letter from Paul to Timothy. Thank you for all of the pieces of it that we are going to dive into tonight that will encourage us, uplift us, and challenge us in our friendships that we have now and in seeking friendships in the future. May your Holy Spirit be present with us and in us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the course of my life, I had many different, I have had many different seasons of friendships. Um, in my later years of high school, as I've shared before, I had a fairly solid core of Christian friends that I shared um, faith with, and we would do a lot of things together. We would hang out, we would go to youth group, we would go to church, and after church we would go to bebops and sit outside at night and read the Bible and pray together. And then when I went to college, I felt like I had a harder time making friends. It was a big transition, um, moving to a new place and making new friends. And so um, I ran into Andrew, and he became like my best friend. And so then his friends became my friends. Um, I felt like I was introduced to a new solid group of Christians. Um, This group of friends were people who had a camping ministry background like I did, and who were on fire for the Lord. And we had just this core group of people who um, all had the same interests that we did. We had small groups together, spent time in prayer and worship together. Many of us did a mime ministry. Like if you've ever been out to Riverside, they have like a mime that they do every Thursday evening. And it's just this drama that would tell the story of Jesus. And we participated in a mime ministry for several years at Wartburg and at our local church. Um, And then we would even spend Friday nights going to a coffee house at the local church um, just down the street instead of going to the bar like all the other students would do. And I remember once in college someone asking me why all of my friends were Christians. And I was kind of offended, like, what's wrong with having friends who were Christians and who believed the same things as me? It's because what I wanted were friends who would encourage me in my faith. I wanted friends who had the same values and morals I did, and I wanted friends who would join me in my faith and in my mission for Christ and stick with me along the way um, when I would fall short or mess up. And I believe that those friendships in college that I had helped me stay connected to Christ and grow deeper in my relationship with the Lord. They helped me remain strong against temptations that many college students would face, and they helped me feel that I had a place where I, would, where I belonged. And they encouraged Andrew and I early on in our marriage. We actually had lots of other couples who were young, just like us, getting married. And we were all on mission together to love God and live our lives for him. And so tonight we're going to be talking about what it means to be formed in Christ by our friendships and the friends that we keep and the friends that encourage us and walk alongside us. Um, I found a really great quote from someone who I absolutely love named Lisa Harper, and I don't know if this is working. There we go. We'll try that. All right. It says, choose people who, when you walk away from them, you are more in love with Jesus. And if you walk away from someone and you are more impressed with Jesus than you are them, then that's a person you can do life with. Have you ever had a friendship like that? with somebody that when you encounter them and spend time with them, you leave 
more in love with Jesus and more impressed with Jesus and the work that he's doing in their life, in your life, and in the lives around you. Tonight in our reading, we heard about a man named Timothy. And Timothy, um, we first meet him in Acts, and Acts, um, in this story, we see that Paul describes meeting Timothy as a young, new believer. His mother and grandmother are already believers, so they were precursor in Timothy's faith. So Paul decides it's time to take Timothy on his first mission trip and invites him to come along because he sees faith in this boy and wants to invest in, in him. And it says that the people in Timothy's town spoke really well of him. But that one mission trip ended up not just being one. It ended up going on and on into a great friendship and a calling into ministry. It's believed that Timothy was present with Paul and Silas as they traveled to Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Macedonia, Corinth, and Ephesus. He spent one-on-one -on -one time with Paul on his journeys, while others were sent off on other missionary journeys. And Paul also sends Timothy on his own missions to go as a delegate or a co-worker for Christ in order to strengthen a church and keep reminding them to stay on track with the Lord and then sharing some of Paul's teaching. And then um, he would take back to Paul what he found out and learned on his journey um, from the church. So Paul, Timothy is also a co-author or co-sender in some of Paul's letters. So they had a very solid friendship. And so in these two letters, First and Second Timothy, um, we see Paul writing to Timothy. Um, it's not Timothy who's written them. It's Paul writing to Timothy. Um, it seems almost personal that we are reading these letters that Paul wrote specifically for Timothy, but they have such an impact on us today. Um, at this time when Paul wrote these letters, it's believed that he was in prison, thinking that his life was going to come to an end very soon. And he was writing to Timothy to bring him love and encouragement. Timothy was an overseer of the church of Ephesus, so kind of like a pastor of that Christian church there. And he is recognized as the most prominent, trusted, and long-standing of Paul's fellow workers. So Timothy, he was referred to as a co-worker, but he was also called a brother, son, and child, which indicates they had a much deeper relationship than just a co-worker um, working next to him for Christ. But there was like a father-son relationship that they had. So I want to share with you tonight some ongoing encouragement that Paul had for Timothy in both of his letters to him, some of which we read tonight in 2 Timothy. Um, I'm going to try this again. Yeah, this is not working. So we'll just, I'll... Yep, you'll just go along with me. So first is he acknowledges Timothy's faith in Jesus and encourages his faith to grow. Um, he actually describes it as being like a fire. He wants his heart to burn for Jesus and grow into this blazing flame. Um, number two, he reminds Timothy of his very genuine love for him um, and how much he cares for him. So he wants to speak into his emotional well-being and his love for him. Timothy, he wants him to know that he is loved. Number three is that it says he is praying for him. Number four says he reminds him of the Holy Spirit um, and his work in Timothy's life, that 
reminds him who the Holy Spirit is too, saying the Holy Spirit is powerful, full of love and wisdom and healing and hope. So he's very concerned about Timothy's spiritual well-being. He wants him to remain rooted in Christ. Number five is that he urges Timothy to be strong and remember his calling and to draw strength from the Lord whenever he faces spiritual battles. Um, So he's concerned about his missional well-being as well. Number six is that he recognized Timothy for his youthfulness and tells him he should not feel inferior because of his age. If you've ever heard that verse from 1 Timothy 4.12 that talks about not letting anyone look down on you because you are young, well, that's Paul talking to Timothy, saying to him, you have a purpose here. Even though you are young, that doesn't mean you are inferior. Number seven, he, encouraged, he challenged him to be self-disciplined and not give in to temptations. He was concerned, I think, about his mental and his emotional health um, and how he was processing things happening around him. Number eight is setting an example for others, being a positive example for others, so his relational health with other people. Nine was that he wanted him to look after himself and his health. Um, So Paul wasn't only encouraging him spiritually and relationally and emotionally and mentally, but also physically. Like He wanted him to take good care of himself. Number ten is he tells him to be excellent in what is good, especially in his teaching and his preaching. Number eleven is He encourages him to remain strong in the truth of the gospel in times of persecution and suffering. Number 12 is he challenges him to not be ashamed of Jesus um, or of Paul in their time that they had together. Number 13 is he reminds Timothy of his calling as a leader, um, one that is not a calling of his own, but that God has given him uh, a purpose that's full of grace. and the last one is that he challenges him to stay firm in what he has learned, what he has learned from Paul. This is because um, he doesn't want Timothy to fall victim to the culture around him. If he is a pastor of a church, the Christian church in Ephesus, Ephesus was a wealthy city um, with a port, ports all around him where people would come in and go, and it was full of Greek temples and Greek goddesses and they would bow down and worship these Greek gods. So he wanted him to stay firm in what he has learned and take what he has learned and apply it to his life. What I want to ask you tonight is, has anyone ever encouraged you like that before? Consistently acknowledging your calling, reminding you of who you are in the family of God, giving you instruction on how to live a better life for the Lord, saying that they were praying for you, Reminding you, encouraging you, challenging you, praying for you. I see Paul caring very much about Timothy and his entire growth, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, relationally, and missionally. Or have you ever encouraged someone like that before? Consistently encouraged them, reminding them, challenging them, praying for them, because you care about them and their well-being in Christ and in the body of Christ. There are three things that I think we can really learn from this relationship between Timothy and Paul. And that is, first, that 
it, they teach us what it means to be co-workers for Christ. Um, what I mean by a co-worker is a partner with a purpose. Um, long ago, when oxen would be used to f- um, plow the fields, oxen would have to work alongside one by one, and they would be equally paired so that as they were going along, they would both carry the equal amount of weight, an equal load. And as co-workers, it's almost like going into a field and we are working together in sync for a greater purpose, a greater mission, Um, especially in Christ. It's like we are harvesting the field um, and bringing it together for Christ. Um, Think of parents. Parents are like co-workers for Christ in a way too, but they are partners in raising their kids. For us, co-workers um, are people who work alongside us. They are in sync with us, um, ready to accomplish something for a greater purpose. Um, And that means that things are successful um, or come together for greater good when all members work together. I remember in high school how much I despised group projects. I don't know if you've ever been there when a group project comes up, whether that's in school or maybe at work, but it's like, great, I'm going to have to pull all the weight, aren't I? That's kind of how I felt in high school at times because I didn't feel like everyone put in their best effort and I was a hard worker and I wanted to get good grades and I remember being so frustrated when group projects would come up and other people, they just didn't care as much. They probably didn't contribute what they should have and then our, we all suffered. We all got a poor grade. As co-workers for Christ, we together here tonight, we are co-workers for Christ, working together to bring about the mission of Jesus Christ, his love and his grace all around us. That is what we are. In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says, for we are co-workers in God's service. Um, This is who we are to be in the body of Christ, and that is what we see with Timothy and Paul. They are both working together and pouring their lives, their heart and soul, their whole being, physically, emotionally, spiritually, everything into the mission for Christ. What we also learn is what a spiritual friendship looks like. Um, Some friends we may have may be good friendships, and maybe they aren't necessarily spiritual friendships. People who um, are Christians or um, partner with you in ministry, but they're still good friends. Um, Maybe we have some friends, or you have had some in the past, who are not necessarily good friendships um, because they don't support us or encourage us or influence us in our faith or our ministry. Um, Perhaps we are better friends to them than they are to us. I know I've had friendships in the past that I've had to eventually let go because they were so draining and sucking the life out of me and They weren't pointing me to Christ, and they weren't joining me on mission for Christ, and they weren't encouraging me. But then there are friends who you have a deeper connection with, those who make you feel that you have a belonging and a purpose, those friendships where you are able to use your gifts and share them with the group for the Lord. Those are the group projects where everyone has a role and a purpose and steps up to the plate to encourage each other, uplift, and work hard. And in places where 
We might be weak, someone else may be strong. I remember one time in college, I went on a mission trip during spring break, actually. Was it spring break? It may have been spring break, I don't know. But it was right after Hurricane Katrina, we went to New Orleans. And while we were there, we were cleaning up houses that had been affected by, and just really destroyed by the hurricanes. And um, each of us on our team had certain roles inside the house that we were cleaning up. And my job was a shuffler. I would literally go into people's houses with a shovel and scoop up whatever throughout their house, all of their belongings, and we would take it outside and put it in a dumpster. It was pretty devastating. Um, but then there were other people who were much stronger than me, um, who their job was to move all the furniture out. And they had to pick up couches, tables, beds, mattresses, chairs, um, use sledgehammers to tear out kitchens and counters and walls and bathrooms. And they would move those bigger pieces out. There were also people who were snake killers because we had water moccasins that you would find in the homes and whenever you would find one you'd be like okay you over there you're coming over here and taking care of this and then they would come and do that I'm glad I didn't have to do that um, but that was probably one of the times in my life where I felt like wow we're all really co-workers for Christ we're all working together using our gifts and doing it for God. And we would pray over our house. We would pray for one another before we started and at the end of the day. And we would do devotions together. And it just felt like, wow, we're all doing this for those who need it most. And then in this relationship between Timothy and Paul, we really see what is called a mentoring relationship. Um, a mentoring relationship is where there's a friendship where someone who is further along in the journey offers love, encouragement, and prayer, and guidance to someone who is learning and growing, which definitely we see with Paul and Timothy because Timothy was so young. It's about promoting the work of God in the life of another person. It's a friendship that is called by God and energized by God. It's intentional. It involves trust and vulnerability. And it has a purposeful time of sharing in order to help that other person learn and grow and then take what they learn and apply it to their daily life. Over um, our time here and in the past, Andrew and I have found a lot of value in having a mentor for each of us. Um, we both had one over the last four or five years and they have definitely helped us to grow and mature They've seen us through difficult seasons in life. They recognize our gifts, our challenges, and um, see our weaknesses in areas where we need to grow. And they pray for us regularly. I love meeting with my mentor because when I meet with her, I always get a hand laid on my back, a prayer and a hug, and um, time for someone to just listen to me. And then I can learn and glean from them as well. There was even a time where I had a short-term mentor. Um, when I lived in Altoona, um, I was going through really difficult emotional and mental things at that time, um, feeling really unsure where I was, maybe going through some postpartum depression. And during that time, I had a mentor. And in my meetings with her, it came about that I needed more help than what a mentor could give. I needed a counselor. I needed to go to therapy. And I think that's important to know that a mentor is not a professional counselor. Um, a mentor can help you along the way, but 
they can also help you find help when you need it most. And so I ended up going to therapy for the first time at the age of, I don't remember, 25, and I really needed it. And it was so powerful and so good for me to do that. And I wouldn't have done that without the encouragement of my mentors seeing and recognizing that I needed help um, in a way that they could not offer. And then I've had times when I've had a mentor in my life and it did not go well. Um, maybe you've had that before too. Maybe you've had people that you've opened up yourself to and then it ended up not being a safe um, or trusting person. I remember in college, I had a mentor that I looked up to and spent weekly times meeting with, reading the Bible with, sharing my life with, and um, after discovering a little bit about who I was, they went to Andrew and said, well, you need to break up with this girl. And I'm really glad he didn't. And he said, well, I can make my own decisions. And, and ended up that um, I didn't find this out till years later, actually, when Andrew said that. But um, this person probably wasn't the best mentor for me when they would go behind my back to do something like that. But um, one of the best ways that I have found to find a mentor is to find someone who you look up to and ask them to be your mentor. I think every single mentor that I've ever had, I've always approached them and said, I value you and your faith and who you are and how you live your life for the Lord and I want to learn from you. Can you mentor me and train me up? But what I think is cool is that Timothy didn't approach Paul to become his mentor. Paul saw something in him and he went out of his way and said, I want you to come with me on this trip and this journey. And it turned out from being just one mission trip to a whole lifelong calling. And so there may be people who come up in your life that you see as someone that needs to grow in the Lord and you, have, and you do have something that you can offer them. You really do. And so there may be people you might not even know around you right now that you could speak into and say, I want to I want to bring you along. Will you meet with me weekly? Let's read a book together. Let's study the Bible together. Let's watch videos together or go on walks together. The Lord wants to work in those relationships. So I want to encourage you to look out for those. So there are three takeaways that I want to give you tonight. First is that it's okay to have friends, um, the friends that you do have. But I want to ask you, do you have a friendship with someone that encourages you in your faith? and challenges you to love Jesus more? Are they reminding you, encouraging you, challenging you, honestly telling you things that you need to know and hear, and who prays for you? If you don't, then I want to challenge you to ask the Lord for that person and keep your eyes open for where the Holy Spirit may be pointing you. Number two is, are you being a friend to someone who offers love and encouragement in their faith in Jesus Christ? Are you being that person pouring into somebody else and passing on what you know about the Lord? And number three is that there is a lot of value in having a mentor. All of us can value, value or find something good from having a mentor and benefit from having someone we can look up to, sit down with, and discuss things on a more personal level. Someone who's older than us and who's further down along the path um, that can speak life into us. So if you don't have a mentor, I want to encourage you to pray and see who that is. 
And sometimes you have to ask the Lord for that, and the Lord will reveal to you who that person is supposed to be. So I want to end tonight by just praying and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us in each of these different ways. So will you join me in prayer? Lord God, thank you. Thank you for all the ways that you work in our lives, that you are a relational God who did not create us to live this life alone, but with you and with one, and to be in relationship with what you and with one another. So Lord, I pray for each of us um, in these areas of friendship, um, in being a mentor and being there as an encourager for other people. Would you speak to us on each of these ways that we need to surrender to the Holy Spirit? Would you open our eyes to see the people around us and maybe there's someone you're pointing out as a mentor Maybe you're pointing someone else out as a friend who knows Christ and can encourage us, but then also maybe someone that we need to speak life into. Um, Would you guide us in this next week, Holy Spirit, and bring to light all of those things. In Jesus' name, amen.